Chapter 12 The Silent Valley How agreeable and pleasant this valley is, thought Milo once again. They bounced along the highway with the humbug humming snatches of old songs to his own vast amusement and talked sniffing contently at the wind. I really can't see what Dr. Discord was so concerned about. There certainly couldn't be anything unpleasant along this road. And just as the thought crossed his mind, they passed through a heavy stone gate, and everything was very different. At first, it was difficult to tell what had changed. It looked like the same, and it all smelled the same. But for some reason, nothing sounded the same. I wonder what ha what's happened, said Milo. At least that's what he tried to say, for although his lips moved, not a sound came from his mouth. And suddenly he realized what it was, for talk was no longer ticking, and the humbug, although happily singing, was doing so in complete silence. The wind no longer rustled the leaves, the car no longer squeaked, the insects no longer buzzed in the fields. Not the slightest thing could be heard, and it felt as if, in some mysterious way, a switch had been thrown on all sound in the world, had been turned off at the same instant. The humbug, suddenly realizing what had happened, leaped to his feet in terror, and Toc worriedly checked to see if he was still keeping time. It was certainly a strange feeling to know that no matter how loudly or softly you chatted or rattled or bumped, it all came out the same way as nothing. How dreadful, thought Milo as he slowed down the car. The three of them began to talk and shout at once with absolutely no result until, hardly noticing where they were going, they had driven into the midst of a large crowd of people marching along the road. Some of them were singing at the top of, at the tops of their non-existent voices, and the others were carrying large signs which proclaimed, Down with silence! All quiet is no diet. It's laudable to be audible. More sound for all. And one enormous banner stated simply, Hear, hear. Do you know where you are? You're in an endless epic. And here, there be dragons. Welcome back, here friends. Here we are, man. Heroes, adventurers, to another episode of Endless Epic. A very interesting episode. By the way, your guys' official title is Epic Adventurers. So, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. run with yeah. that how you will. Yeah. Um, now, the this is... It, no, so you guys may have noticed something slightly different. Yeah, there's something different about this episode. Um, the, my my brother, the real thick Jesus, That's aka me. Sean Smith, the uh, incredible shadow photographer. Oh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> we gotta add all those titles. Uh, is reading today because we just recently discovered. Oh, well, where did we find out? <laughs> we just what recently happened? discovered that uh, I am uh, what the kids would refer to as blind AF. Or blind as a bat, as, yeah, as your um, parents might refer to it as. Right, as the boomers might say. <laughs> and uh, we've, we've, uh, I've, I've had a lot of trouble like working and had a lot of trouble with headaches for the last couple of years. And uh, I've, I've needed glasses since I was about 13. Probably even before that. 
Um, I have a really bad astigmatism in my right and my left eye. And uh, yeah, I can't see anything that's nearby. And I've been getting by purely on ocular association, um, which is why I kind of lose my places when I read. And, uh, you know, I have, I've been having issues and uh, I, I pretty much constantly have headaches. And we just found out that's because I'm really blind. Yeah. So, so here we are. <laughs> um, I've, I've kind of... You guys will be the first ones hearing about this, but also the last ones hearing about this. Um, because Unless they're... you follow you. Well, I haven't said anything about it. So. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. like, you'll probably say something when you get your glasses. Yes. And this will probably... Well, I mean... This so soon, the so. week before uh, recording this, I, I took a break from uh, making videos... Because being able to read scripts and such has been has been an issue. I can't really see anything uh, from an inch in front of my face to about 20 feet away. I have a really hard time making out details. Yeah, so that makes um, reading script as, as you record <laughs> quite difficult and frustrating. Right. And reading a book whilst recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So that leads us back around to why I am reading today. Probably, uh, this may be the only time. We'll, we'll see how you guys like it. Um, I'm not going to be nearly as animated in the voices. I'm going to attempt to do them, as you heard. I did Milo. We'll see how like the humbug and, and uh, talk do. But yeah, so the, the release for this episode on Patreon will very likely be the first full description of um, what has happened. Yeah. Because uh, I, I don't plan on putting out any like full YouTube videos on it. Um, are, are you just gonna you're just gonna start wearing glasses and videos? And yeah, and see if anybody notices. <laughs> hey, what's with the glasses, bro? All right. Like that's an odd fashion yeah, statement. Yeah, it's like um, get a bunch of people dropping in. Like, why are you appropriating glasses? <laughs> Jesus Christ! And on that note, let's. Uh, oh, uh, so yeah, getting into this. This is actually really uh, an interesting um, parallel, especially talking about because we've we've been kind of contrasting with uh, modern events yeah. when talking about the imagery that uh, Joster, Joster uses. uses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that we're using that we're talking about this, or this is the chapter that we're on with every that thing that has been going on right. as of late. But we won't dive too much into that because he uses a, a, an interesting series of uh, of language hmm. to describe what what it is that they're trying to do. Right. So if you flip if you flip, flip back a little bit um, to the previous page, the thing that Milo says about uh, talking in vain. Go ahead and read that again. Uh, it was an odd feeling. Oh, right, right, right. Huh. <laughs> oh, where the heck was that? So I'm realizing it happened many times. Should be near the bottom. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think. Wait, wait, have we got it yet? Yeah, you you wrote it out loud. No, it was. Well, I wonder what happened. At least he tried to say it, although his lips moved and not. Sound hears. He suddenly realized what it was. For talk was no longer ticking and humbug. Hey, I'm not seeing what you're. Uh, there. What you're getting at with there? Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. I was, yeah, I don't remember. Like, cause he didn't say anything about like, talking in vain. There. Okay. Uh... It was certainly a strange feeling to know that no matter how loudly or how softly you chatted or rattled or bumped, it all came out the same way. Oh, right. As nothing. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was... No, no, you're right. Yeah. 
So that is a that is a an an, an interesting parallel for what's going to go on in the rest of the chapter. Right. Because okay, now I know we say this about every chapter, but legitimately, this one is one of my favorites. I agree. Because it, it deals with. Uh, actually, we we saw we saw an example of this early on, and we get to see like sort of a redemption arc for that with the witch, right? Remember the witch? Yeah. She she went through the thing where she was allowing fewer and fewer words because she wanted to keep them for herself, and she yes. thought everybody else didn't appreciate them enough. Right, right, right. So the 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 same thing is, is sort of happening here. Um, and, but we get to see a full a full spin redemption arc on that, and um, it, it is it is interesting. But the the over arc of this is that if what you're saying doesn't have a, a, an appropriate purpose, if what you're saying doesn't meet an end, right? Like you're if just, it doesn't you're just if it doesn't have purpose. You're just, yeah. you're just spitting, it spitting all, stuff. It all comes out the same. It all yeah. It's all said in vain. Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of like the overarching uh, themality of, of the chapter. chapter. Okay, so... It's going to be fun to get into. Go ahead and pick up. All right. <clears throat> Except for these and the big brass cannon being pulled along behind, they all looked very much like the residents of any other small valley to which you've never been. That's funny. <laughs> when the car had stopped one of them held up a play card which said welcome to the valley of sound and the others cheered as loudly as possible which was not very loud at all have you come to help us asked another stepping forward with his question please added a third milo tried desperately to say who he was and where he was going but to no avail as he did four more play cards announced Listen, crossed out. Look carefully, and we will tell you of our terrible misfortune. And while two of them held up a large blackboard, a third, writing as fast as he could, explained why there was nothing but quiet in the Valley of Sound. Should I do a voice for this since it's writing? So, really... for, so for the writing, I typically give it like a like a bold announcer's voice, like. Okay. Coming soon, like right. that kind of thing. All right. At a place. Well, that was just awful. At a place. At a place. You know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to ruin this. You no. Sell, no, no, do it. You got to do it. You got to commit. You sound like a museum curator, though. That was good. <laughs> At a place. Well. <laughs> At a place in the. God damn it. I'm never going to be able to get past. Okay, here we go. All right. Sorry. Hang in there with me, guys. At a place in the valley not far from here, he began. Where the echoes used to gather and the winds came to rest, there is a great stone forest, fortress, words, and in it lives the sound keeper who rules this land. When the old king of wisdom drove the demons into the distant mountains, he appointed her guardian of all sounds and noises, past, present, and future. For years she ruled as a wise and beloved monarch, each morning at sunrise releasing the day's new sounds to be borne by the wind throughout the kingdom and each night at moonset gathering the old sounds to be catalogued and filled in vast storage vaults below. The writer paused for a moment to mop his brow and then since 
The blackboard was full, erased it completely, and continued anew from the top. She was generous to a fault and provided us with all the sounds we could possibly use. For singing as we worked and bubbling pots of stew, for the chop of an axe and the crash of a tree, for the creak of a hinge and the hoot of an owl, for the squish of a shoe in the mud, and the friendly tapping of rain on the roof, and for the sweet music of pipes and the sharp snap of winter ice cracking on the ground. He paused again as a tear of longing rolled from his cheek to the lip with the sweet, salty taste of an old memory. And all these sounds, when once used, would be carefully placed in alphabetical order and neatly kept for future reference. Everyone lived in peace, and the valley flourished as the happy home of sound. But then things began to change. Slowly at first, and then in a rush, more people became more people came to settle here and brought with them new ways and new sounds. Some very beautiful and some less so. But everyone was so busy with the things that had to be done that they scarcely had time to listen at all. And, as you know, a sound which is not heard disappears forever and is not to be found again. Sorry, I... Pause at a weird place. Yeah. Yeah. Pause at a weird place. Okay. It sounded like sandwich. <laughs> okay, so actually, uh, I do, stop, stop there for a second. So there's two very important things that are said there. A sound which is not heard disappears forever. Mm -hmm. And everyone was so occupied with what had to be done, they Basically. did not have time to listen. Yeah. It. I, I like that theme of this book that it talks about everything that... I mean, obviously, because it, it's coming from Milo, so it, it pertains to his life before he got here. Um, and, but it, and and the the negative, like the the negative or the the ramifications of not just appreciating what you have around you, right? And and that's like it's just so like because it, it's kind of more or less the same story every time. Is you have these people or this thing or the situation that happens. That is the consequence of basically unappreciation of right, life of, and, and of learning not caring and, or negligence. Yeah, yeah. and it, but it, but it, it's broken down in such a specific way every time because like I mean just recently we it was it was about uh, the town you know no one could see the town anymore right. because everyone was too busy trying to get where they needed to go that they stopped being able to see the town right and it, you know very similar situation but. And, and before that, very, we, very we, we had the we had the contrast of not being able to see what's right in front of you, right? Because your perspective never changes. Yeah, yeah. So it's not always to such a dire degree, and a lot of times, like you see, these people are are suffering because of what happened, and they admit their fault. Yeah. But then when you when you deal with illusion and reality, they don't even know that there's a problem. Yeah. That yeah 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 that's a good point. That's a really interesting point to look at um and then in the, in the case of of uh alan uh whose name last name i can't remember but what was his name? I don't know who yep we have a puppy in here with us so the tapping that you probably hear is the puppy just walking around yeah so please enjoy it asmr puppy <laughs> edition um the the but the, the the problem changes and then when you when you have uh alec bing 
It's Alec, Alec yeah, being. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when when you deal with Alec, Alex, Alec has a problem. His whole family has a problem, but he doesn't acknowledge it as a problem. Right. Well, he he actually points out that doing it any other way is He's, a bigger problem. Right. Like, basically, he points to all of his family's problems as being virtues. Yeah. And says that anyone who does it any other way is wrong. Is an issue yeah. to to the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. It is interesting how he's overlaid. Not even interesting. It's fucking incredible how he's overlaid all of these things that we we as adults experience. Yeah. But he's put it into the perspective of innocence and a child. Yeah. And and it's, and, and, it, and lessons it, each time. And, and it's incredible to me that that Jester was was like. In his 30s and 40s when he wrote this book. Yeah. So... Having quite the perspective for an adult thinking as a child. Right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Continue. All right. <clears throat> People laughed less and grumbled more, sang less and shouted more. The sounds they made grew louder and uglier. It became difficult to hear even the birds or the breeze, and soon everyone stopped listening for them. He again cleared the blackboard as the humbug choked back a sob and continued writing. The soundkeeper grew worried and disconsolated. Dis disconsolate. Disconsolate. There we go. Each day, there were fewer sounds to be collected, and most of those were hardly worth keeping. Many people thought that it was the weather, or and others blamed the moon, but the general consensus of opinion held that the trouble began at the time that rhyme and reason were banished. But no matter what the cause, no one knew what to do. Then one day, Dr. Discord appeared in the valley with his wagon of medicine and the bluish smog din. He made a thorough examination and promised to cure everyone of everything, and the soundkeeper let him try. He gave several bad-tasting spoonfuls of medicine to every adult and child, and it kept, and it worked, but not really as expected, for he cured everyone of everything but noise. The soundkeeper became furious. She chased him from the valley forever, and then issued the following decree. From this day forward, the valley of sound shall be silent, since silence is no longer appreciated. I hereby abolish it. Please return all unused amounts to the fortress immediately. And that's the way it has been ever since. He continued, or he concluded sadly, There is nothing we can do to change it, and each day new hardships are reported. A small man, with his arms full of letters and messages, pushed through the crowd and offered them to Milo. Milo took one of them, which read, Dear Soundkeeper, We had a thunderstorm last week, and the thunder still hasn't arrived. How long should we wait? Yours truly, a friend. <laughs> he took... Then he took a telegram which stated, Band concert, great success, stop. When may we expect the music, stop. Now you see, continued the writer, why you must help us attack the fortress and free the sound. 
But what can I do? Wrote Milo. Because he writes as he speaks. Mm -hmm. You must visit the soundkeeper and bring the fortress one sound, no matter how small, with which to load... Whoa, hold on. With which to load our cannon. For if we can reach the walls with the slightest noise, they will collapse and free the rest. It won't be easy, for she is hard to deceive, but you must try. Milo thought for just a moment, and then, with a resolute, I shall, volunteered to go. So, so real quick, I want to I wanna harp on this, because I think we did this last uh, episode before last, but I, I want to bring it back up again. All right. Juster does a, such a, a an incredible job Agreed. Of, de- <laughs> of dealing with absolutism. Because with every group that Milo encounters, there is this stout absolutism yeah. in what they're doing. All right. Always. And always, always this, the only way to fix it is this way, and there's no other way. And we get that, like, right off the bat with uh, Azaz the Unabridged, right? Yes. Like, he, he, he claims instantly, he's like, there's no other way to solve these things. And then the humbug goes, well, we could just do this. And then from there, he goes, he goes, no, it's far too dangerous. No one could possibly do that. And then as soon as the responsibility is taken away from Azaz... Right. He's like, oh, oh yeah, that could yeah, work. No, yeah, it could work. Yeah, that could happen as long as I don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great um, uh, kind of uh, commentary on just people in general not taking responsibility for their own actions and right and but, things to do. But more than that, it, it kind of puts a, a sort of a divine commentary on uh, how we teach children things. Yes, absolutely. Because we're constantly telling children to take responsibility. But what do they see most adults do? They did it. <laughs> right. When you yeah. look at when you look at the news or anything that has to do with politics, it's people pointing fingers saying yeah. it's their fault. Yeah. It's or it's their fault. Or it's it's definitely not our fault. Like it's constantly pointing fingers. What do you see when celebrities make mistakes? They go on and they, they blame they blame their upbringing. they blame their ignorance. They blame all these different things. They never take full accountability for right. it. And that's what children are seeing. Like, we're constantly telling kids, like, you have to take responsibility and accountability for your actions. Actually, they're not even really doing that anymore. I've done I've done work with plenty of high schools, and high schools are built around telling children that their circumstances are not their fault. Yeah. Which, to an extent, is true. I, I was like, that that is true. Like, they're, like, where they were born, how they were born, who they were born to is not their fault. But using that as an excuse once you become an adult is your fault. Right. Because there's that threshold that you cross, and eventually you have to take accountability. 100%. And the the only thing... There are very few exceptions to that rule. Right. And people like to use the exceptions as the rule, and that's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, it's like saying, well, oh, X guy made uh, uh, half a million dollars overnight, and he won the lottery. Well, and even, even, even like, you, you start talking about, you know, like, the hyper-rich, or, or like, you know, like, uh, uh, what's his name, um... Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, yeah. Like, Jeff Bezos is a smart guy, and he, he found, he saw something. Saw a need. Yeah, because, I, I don't know how many people remember this, but Amazon wasn't, like, what it is today. It was a book. Yeah. Like, it was online Amazon, books. Amazon was online Am- books. It was books. 
It didn't start out as the biggest. That's why Bezos hasn't let go of Kindle, even though yeah. Kindle is is not. It, it's, it's not. It's, a, it's not an overwhelmingly successful business. Kindle was was the start yeah. of what he did. He, he saw he saw a need, transitioned his company. Not not even transitioned, just kind of like put an addition on, and filled the need. And right. and ever, I don't care how much you hate on him, like he found something that no one else found, and solved it more right. or less and you, you pay him for it I mean, he's not stealing money he didn't steal his billions of dollars he gets it every day from it, every American people, people willingly every, go online every and hand it to him. Canadian you know every any person who ever orders something on Amazon he's not stealing that money from you. <laughs> you you willingly give it to him and you give it to him every time like every uh, uh, so, Amazon Prime so interestingly enough, when Amazon first started shipping things, Amazon only made about uh, a quarter of a penny right. per item that was shipped out. Right. And it just in the overall, like obviously he made more than that on some items. And yeah, yeah. But, but in the overall, it averaged out to about a quarter of a penny per item. Now, Amazon makes almost 5% off of everything that is sold. Well, and, and but where they made their money... Is and why they why they rose so quickly is because they for the first like seventeen years they were in business they didn't have to pay taxes on anything they sold because it was online mm-hmm. and there was no laws in place for selling things for online. selling things online so there was no sales tax on it right because if it wasn't like brick and mortar or through the mail like through like a from a brick and mortar business which most Amazon businesses aren't yeah. they're just warehouses which don't count it's not a storefront you didn't have to pay sales tax on it. And that's how they skyrocketed to the top. And man, we've got off on a tangent here, but that's how they skyrocketed to where they are. Is that he found something no one else found, exploited a loophole in the government, <laughs> which you know, again, good for him. <laughs> and right, freaking, well, but, uh, but this, but, this... Uh, but he he hit it. Other than like, kind of being dishonest because like everybody should pay taxes. Like right. I, I know people hate on taxes a lot, but it's not a bad thing, especially if they're used properly. You know, other than exploiting a loophole in a government, which that's not really his fault. He just outsmarted the government, right. more or less. You know, he didn't. He's not, he hasn't done anything wrong. He 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 doesn't steal your money, people. <laughs> well, and go, going back to it, what we're teaching kids again is to not take accountability right. for their actions, right? And look at the exceptions as the rule. Yeah, exactly. And we we see that constantly through here that you see all these people who speak to Milo in absolutisms. Yeah. And then either Milo or one of his of his his ill thought friends yeah. will be like, well, how about we do it a different way? Per, yeah, present logic or or reason, rhyme or reason, right? I should say. Uh, and it, it is it is also interesting that one of the wisest figures in the well, um, and we talked about this in the beginning. One of the wisest figures in the book is Talk, and it's a representative of how time used wisely. Is man's best friend. Yeah, and I, I God, I love the, the symbolism. That the, symbolism like, the, so yeah, much. He's he's solid, man. Okay, can't, go can't ahead. Go wrong with Jordan Jester. Okay, so Milo's volunteering. <clears throat> Within a few minutes, he stood bravely at the fortress door. Uh, knock knock. He wrote <laughs> neatly on a piece of paper, which he pushed under the crack. In a moment, the great portal swung open and. As it closed behind him, a gentle voice sang out, Right this way, I'm in the parlor. 
can we? Can I talk now? cried Milo happily, hearing his voice once again. Yes! God, I don't know what I'm doing with her voice. Yes! Yes! yes. But only in here! She replied softly. Now, Why do... is she from Boston? I don't know. <laughs> now she's British. What's going on? Shut your... <laughs> now, do, do come into the parlor. I don't know. Yeah, just do what you gotta I'm do. I'm trying, alright? Do what you gotta do. Right? You're good. Milo walked slowly down the long hallway and into the little room where the soundkeeper sat, listening intently to an enormous radio set, whose switches, dials, knobs, meters, and speaker cover covered one whole wall and which, at the moment, was playing nothing. Isn't it lovely? She sighed. It's my favorite program. Fifteen minutes of silence. And, after that, there's a half hour of quiet, and then an interlude of low. Why, did you know that there are almost as many kinds of stillness as there are sounds? But sadly... Enough, no one pays any attention to them these days. Have you... Oh, God, I'm never going to be able to do... Oh, yeah, it's still her. Have you ever heard the wonderful silence that's just before dawn? She inquired. Or the quiet calm that just as storm ends? Or perhaps you know the silence when you haven't the answer to a question you've just been asked. Or the hush of a country road at night. Or the ex expectant pause in a room full of people when someone is just about to speak. Or most beautiful of all, the moment after the door closes and you're all alone in the whole house. Each one is different, you know, and all very beautiful. If you listen carefully. God, that she... She had some ups and downs there. Yeah, she's, had, she's having an identity <laughs> yeah. crisis. It happens. As she spoke, the thousands of little bells and chimes which covered her from head to toe tinkled softly, and as if in reply, the telephone began to ring too. For someone... Oh, God. What was Milo's voice again? Hello. Uh, no, no, he's gone too. For someone who loves silence, she certainly talks great a great deal, thought Milo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think on that one for a second. <laughs> At one point, I was able to listen to any sound made in any place at any time, the soundkeeper remarked, pointing toward the radio wall. But now I merely... Uh, pardon me interrupted Milo as the phone continued to ring. But aren't you going to answer that? I don't know. They're, they're just mishmashed together now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Not in the middle of the program, she replied and turned the silence up a little louder. <laughs> but it may be important, insisted Milo. Not at all, she reassured him. It's only me. It gets so lonely around here with no sounds to disturb or collect that I call myself seven or eight times a day just to see how I am. <laughs> Milo, how are you? He asked politely. Not very well, I'm afraid. I seem to have a touch of static, she complained. But what brings you here? Of course, you've come to tour the vault. 
Well, they're usually open to the public only on Monday from 2 to 4, but since you've traveled so far, we'll come, we'll have to make an exception. Follow me, please. Very wishy-washy. Yeah. Uh, well, she's she's a sandwich. Yeah, it's just a sandwich. <laughs> she quickly bounced to her feet with a chorus of jingles and chimes and started down the hallway. Don't you just love jingles and chimes? I do, she answered quickly. Besides, they're very convenient for... I'm always getting lost in this big fortress, and all I have to do is listen for them, and then I know exactly where I am. Interesting, huh? They entered a tiny cage-like elevator and traveled down for fully three quarters of a minute, stopping finally in an immense vault whose long lines of file drawers and storage bins stretched in all directions from where here began to where there ended and from the floor to the ceiling man some of the wording that he uses I'm like I read that wrong no nope that's just him. look <laughs> from where here began to where there ended right no dude so I, I like simple enough but like if you're not paying attention right I, I, I fancy myself to be at least well educated yeah okay I don't to me, Mo- me moderately well, moderately well yeah. read. Uh, I've, I've read plenty of books, well ranged between academics and fiction. And reading Norton Jester's <laughs> stuff still makes me feel like uh, like an amateur. Yeah. Like yeah. reading reading through how he structures some of these sentences, I'm like, God, this is like the difference between a, a kid who builds a treehouse and a dude who builds a spacecraft with his eyes closed, like. <laughs> Elon Musk, <laughs> more or less. Just a minor note because we're not going to get too far into this. Have you seen Elon Musk's wife? Uh huh. And have you? Did it's, you? It's, and, uh, um, and did you uh, see what they? Name? And yeah, did you see what yeah. they named their child? Yeah, it's like James or something, but like spelled super weird. No, it's know. not. Yeah, they gave they gave it a planetary code as a yeah, name. Yeah, I know, but it but it's it like if you take all the things that those things mean, it spells out a name. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's not their. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's something weird, or like Adam, or, or it's like a really normal name, but just like how they did it. Like one of the things means a, like A, and then the other one's like AD, and then like it's super weird. But yeah, it, it definitely is a little. Uh, uh, it's a little bit Gwen, uh, Gwen Stefani, and it's unorthodox. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, what's his wife's name? I don't. Uh, she's, I a, she's a singer. I don't remember. Yeah, she's a yeah. singer. Sure. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, I just... Oh, wait. Yep. Okay, here we go. Sorry. Lost my place. <clears throat> okay, so they're in the vault. Every sound that's ever been made in history is kept here. What voice am I doing? Gosh. In heaven. Grimes? Grimes. Yep, that's her. Yeah. For sure. Yep. <sighs> Every sound that's ever been made in history is kept here. There we go. Said the soundkeeper, skipping down one of the corridors with Milo in hand. For instance, look here. She opened one of the drawers and pulled out a small brown envelope. This is the exact tune George Washington whistled when he crossed the Delaware that icy night in 1777. Milo peered into the envelope and, sure enough, that's exactly 
what was in it. <laughs> but why do you collect them all? He asked as she closed the drawer. If we didn't collect them, said the soundkeeper, as they continued to stroll through the vault, the air would be full of old sounds and noises bouncing around, bumping into things. It would be terribly confusing because you'd never know whether you were listening to the, an old one or a new one. Besides, I do like to collect things, and there are more sounds than almost anything else. Why, I have everything from the buzz of a mosquito a million years ago to your, what your mother said to you this morning. And if you come back here in two days, I'll tell you what she said tomorrow. It's really very simple. Let me show you. Say a word, any word. Hello, said Milo, for that was all he could think of. Now, where do you think it went? She asked with a smile. I don't know. Milo said, shrugging his shoulders. I always thought that most people do. <laughs> what, I don't, what, you know, she's, she has different sounds because she's a sound keeper. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Make it make sense because I'm an idiot. <laughs> she hummed, peering down one of the corridors. Now, let me see. First, find the cabinet with today's sounds. Ah, here it is. Then we look under G for greetings. Then under M for Milo. And here is already in its envelope. So you see, the whole system is quite automatic. It's a shame we hardly use it anymore. That's wonderful, gasped Milo. May I have one little sound as a souvenir? Certainly, she said with pride, and then immediately thinking better of it, added, Not... And don't try to take one because it's strictly against the rules. Milo was crestfallen. Whatever that means. (laughs) He had had... There you go. (laughs) He had had no idea how to steal a sound. Even the smallest one. For the soundkeeper always had at least one eye carefully focused on him. Now for a look at the workshop. She cried, whisking him through another door and into a large abandoned laboratory, full of old pieces of equipment, all unattended and rusting. This is where we used to invent the sound, she said wistfully. Do they have to be invented? asked Milo, who seemed surprised at almost everything she told him. I thought, oh wait, I thought they were just, I thought they just were. No! <laughs> no one realizes how much trouble we go through to make them, she complained. Why, at one time this shop was crowded and busy from morning to night. But how do you invent sound? inquired Milo. Oh, that's very easy, she said. First, you must decide exactly what the sounds <laughs> sound looks like. <laughs> it's a concept for you. For each sound has its own exact shape and size. Then you must make some of them here in the shop, grind each one three times into an invisible powder, and then throw it, throw a little 
of each into the air every time you need it. But I've never seen a sound, Milo insisted. You've never seen them out there, she said, waving her hand, arm in the general direction of everywhere. Except every once in a while, one on a very cold morning, when they freeze... Oh, I'm going to start that sentence again because I said it kind of weird. Except every once in a while, on a very cold morning when they freeze, but in here we see them all the time. Here, let me show you. She picked up a padded stick and struck a nearby bass drum six times, six large, woolly, fluffy cotton balls, each about two feet across, rolled silently in onto the floor. You see, she said, putting them into a large grinder. Now listen. And she took a pinch of the invisible powder and threw it into the air with a boom, 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 boom. Do you know what... Do you know what a hand clap looks like? Milo shook his head. Try it, she recommended. He clapped his hands once and a shingle... A single sheet of clean white paper fluttered to the floor. He tried it three more times, and three more sheets of paper did the very same thing. And then he applauded as fast as he could, and a great cascade of paper filled the air. Isn't, isn't that simple? It's the same for all sounds. If you think about it, you'll soon know what each one looks like. Take laughter, for instance, she said, laughing brightly and... A thousand tiny, brightly colored bubbles flew into the air and popped noisily. Or speech, she continued. Some of it is light and airy, some sharp and pointed, and but most of it, I'm afraid, is just heavy and dull. How about music? asked Milo excitedly. Right over here, we weave it on our looms. Symphonies are the large, beautiful carpets. With all the rhythms and melodies woven in, concertos, concertos, con concertos there we yeah. go, are these tapestries, and all the other bolts of cloth are serenades, waltzes, overtures, and rhapsodies. Is that right? Rhapsodies, yes. And we also have some of the songs that often that you often sing. She cried, holding up a handful of brightly colored handkerchiefs. <laughs> <laughs> She stopped for a moment and said sadly, We even... Wait, that's not sad at all. <laughs> we even had one section over there that did nothing but put the sound of the ocean into seashells. This was once such a happy place. Then why don't you make sound for everyone now? He shouted so eagerly. That just... What? <laughs> But the soundkeeper leaped back in surprise. Don't shout so, young man. If there's one thing we need more of around here, it's less noise. Now come with me and I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you all about it. And put that down immediately. Her last remark was directly toward Milo's efforts to stuff one of the large drum beats into his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> they returned quickly to the parlor. And when the soundkeeper had settled herself into a chair and carefully turned the radio to a special hour of hush, Milo asked his question once again, 
in, in a somewhat lower voice. It doesn't make... Wait, uh, is this her? It doesn't make me happy to hold back the sounds, she began softly, for if we listen to them carefully, they can sometimes tell us things far better than words. But what if that is so? asked Milo, and he had no doubt that it was. Shouldn't you release them? Never! she cried. They just use them for... They just use them to make horrible noises, which are ugly to see and worse to hear. I leave all the that to Dr. Discord and that awful, awful din. But some noises are good sounds, aren't they? He insisted. That may be true, she replied stubbornly. But if they won't make the, stats, the sounds that I like, they won't make any. But... He started to say and got no further than that, for while he was about to say that he didn't think that was quite fair, a thought to which the, abs the abstained soundkeeper might not have taken kindly, he suddenly discovered that the way he could carry his little sound from the fortress, in the instance between saying a word and before it sailed out of your of Man, I cannot read this right now. In the instant between saying the word and before it sailed off into the air, he clamped his lips shut and the butt <laughs> was trapped in his mouth. All made but not spoken. Interesting. Well, I must, mustn't keep you all day, she said impatiently. Now turn your pockets out so I can... See that you didn't steal anything, and you can be on your way. When she had satisfied, when he had satisfied the soundkeeper, he nodded his farewell, for it would have been most impractical to say thank you or good afternoon, and raced out the door. Thus concludes chapter twelve. Oh, was that really? That's it. Oh, yeah, I know. We left on a cliffhanger. Yeah, which is fun. So, so, like, not a lot to unpack that in there. Well, it, it's a lot more blatant than a lot of the chapters, because mm -hmm. a little, little bit more, a little bit more context in the or, or subtext, I should say, in the beginning of this chapter. Right. Um, this kind of just like. But but how often off. how often do we see people who are in positions of power have that exact same reaction? Whether it's parents or teachers yeah. or or politicians. Typically, that, that's a that's a. I would say people who aren't brought up with the understanding of like what a leadership role is or, or a, or a, um, uh, you know, not even leadership. Cause she's not, she's not really leading more as, uh, um, in control of something, you know, like, because a lot of people look at, at power or, or even leadership as being, as being a, uh, a right or even something that is, is to be lorded over yeah. more than the principle of it being a responsibility. Right. Like you're not you're not in charge of people. You're responsible for seeing that people are charged with what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're not it's not a dictatorship. It's not a monarch like like those you're in control. But even you're, even so, like it, when you're in those instances, it, 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 one would argue that if you're a dictator 
you have more responsibility towards your people. You, you should. Right. You should. But, but that's but, not what happens, right, especially that, in those roles. That term has become coalesced with the idea of being evil. Right. Right? You could be a benevolent dictator. You, yeah, you could, could be a dictator who's like, you know what? I'm going to take everybody's lives into my hand, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to help people. I'm going to do what our leaders couldn't. Right. I'm going to do it under the iron fist of a, you know, dictator rule. But right. I, you know, I'm not like going to have. I'm not going to give anybody a choice, but I'm going to make. I'm going to do my best to make decisions that are best yeah. for everyone. I'm, I'm not going to give you a choice for a good life, but you're going to have a good life. Right. Now, obviously, that's never happened in the history of ever. <laughs> well, because the people who typically come into a dictator role are are some kind of oppressed before they do that, and then right. they overthrow, get a taste of power, and get overcome by it, more or less. Right. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't think that's the case in the Soundkeeper. You know, she just got... Um, she was given a lot of power. Yeah. And when things were going her way, she was a very benevolent leader, and you heard them say that. Yes. But as soon as stuff started to get difficult or not go the way that she wanted it to, rather than she, working to she fix act, it... She acted off of her feelings, not off of logic or rhyme or reason, going back to it. Right. She, she didn't like the situation, so she just took sound away from everybody. Right. So she didn't think about what would be best for, for everyone. everybody. She thought of what best would be best for me. What's right. affecting me? What's exactly. hurting me? How do I help me? Uh, and, and again, what what an I what a uh, what a appropriate chapter to be on right now because if less people thought of and, and I'm not saying don't take care of yourself because you should. You well, need to take care of yourself. Well, yeah. If but you, if taking you can't, care of, if you can't swim, jumping into the pool to save people who are drowning. You're yeah, just gonna you're just, you're just adding them. a yeah. drowning person to the pool, but but taking care of yourself and and um, exemplifying yourself totally different things, right? Totally different things, and, and that, I think that's a huge problem that is happening right now. See, because there's there's a difference between putting you first and putting you only. Yes, and and that's that's where we see a lot of people huge have that major disconnect. Yeah. yeah. I completely like, agreed. And, and a lot of people it, a lot of people will take people who do put themselves per, first and say, Oh, like you put yourself only. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. They they try to make you make you the bad guy for just like you know, because you do, you gotta put your oxygen mask on first. Because if you pass out, what's the point? Right. You, well, you have you have to be in a good state of being before you can help anybody. So we'll talk we'll talk about something that's a little bit more controversial than what we normally talk about on this <gasps> podcast. Um, did you hear about what happened with Jenna Marbles? Who is I a YouTuber? did. Very annoyed at that situation. Right. Very so, annoyed at that so situation. So at that time, there were a lot... And I'm not saying that this makes it right. But at that time, there were a lot of people in that same space who made jokes like she did. Right. right? It was common. And this is, this is something that you and I talk about all the time, but doesn't get talked about a lot, and it needs to. Is that we talk about things like the slave trade, right? Yeah. And when we talk about it, especially in the United States, we usually talk about it in the context of the United States were the only people who were slave owners. Right. Whereas anybody who is any remote amount of educated knows that's not true. Not even remote. It, not in even. that time period, uh, between between the year like 700 and the... Before that, further back. Well, but, no, but I'm saying the, between the year 700 and the year... Like, 80... Mm. No, probably like 17, 1780 would be when the slave... Right, 1800. Yeah, 1800. Yeah, give it a... Yeah. Is when, the, is when the slave trade internationally started to receive more 
more criticism and started to become less acceptable. Well, yeah, because you like civilizations became more civilized in how they did things, right? And realized uh, got got a little bit more like ooh. Well, and the a... and the industrial revolution ended up showing us that skilled workers were, who were treated well were better for economy. Were and better for society. economy and better for products. Yeah. So it ended up it ended up being a, a massive shift, but obviously that wasn't until the end of the 1800s. Yeah, right. But around that, like if you go to China, Japan, anywhere in Africa, anywhere in the Middle East, anywhere in Europe, around that time, there were slaves and slave owners, and they were they were all different types of of people from different cultures, different religious backgrounds. It was a commonality at the time. It was not something that just happened in the United States. It was, I think, I think why common in culture. I think why like the United States is so like um, harshly criticized for it is because we, you know, we're the youngest country in the right. world currently, um, uh, and like we came in, so like we're we're young first of all, and then like we came into it, and then like we ourselves fought amongst each other more than just about anybody else did to. Like, is it good? Is it bad? Should we keep it? Should we not? You know, and like the Civil War was was horrific. You know, one hundred percent. It was it was like like horrifyingly awful war. But also, you have to you have to imagine that the span of the United States is much bigger than most countries. Right. So, like, Texas is the size of 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 most of Europe. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm just like I think that's why we get criticized the most for it is right like, because we, it, it's meant it, to like, be it's meant to be one united ideology of the United States and that's impossible. Yeah, that many people spread over that much space, it is impossible. Which is why which is why the United States ended up leaving Europe to begin with because we ended up developing this own the, our own culture here. Yeah, and you guys know that I'm uh, obviously I, I I take the United States as being my home. Obviously, I'm not from here. But I take it as being my home, and America, very much is a, is is a very diverse set of cultures spread it out is. over a large area. But the reason why they left is because Europe insisted that the United States still pay taxes, even though those taxes gave no benefit to the United States. All of that money went straight to the crown, yeah. and the the Europe didn't provide any military, uh, any any real goods trade to the United States. Apart from from tea and a select other things, they didn't provide a whole lot to the U.S. So that's why it was it was taxation without representation. So getting away from the historical mumbo jumbo of, of crap, you see this 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 thought that uh, the United States was the only one who had these things, but it was a commonality. Yeah, it happened all throughout the world, and I forgot why we got on this subject. Yeah, I don't. We were just talking about leadership and like. Um... Like giving, giving like people that are given power like uh, tend to to like abuse or like misuse because it didn't go their way, uh, you know like like right, things, right, right. things like her like the soundkeeper specifically going back to the book because we're reading a book here, <laughs> um, you know she just kind of buckled and and threw a tantrum because life was like you know they started to get more ugly sounds and instead of trying to find a solution to suit everyone she just made a decision for herself and that that best suited her right 
I honestly don't remember how we got to that topic specifically, but like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I remember the what the initial thought was, but uh, when when I listen back and I'm editing, I'm like, oh damn it, we had a good point we were going towards there, and we didn't we didn't. Yeah, I, I, I had a couple thoughts I wanted to get out, but I told I they're gone now. I don't remember all the order. <laughs> but the 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 point to to wrap that up is that we we tend to have a very closed mind with how we look at global problems. And you, you and I, you and I have talked about this again a lot. Is that there is there is a major. We're talking about general models. Oh right, 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 right. Okay, so you you have this very general uh, thought of it, and we we call it pedestrian versus global thinking. Right. And that's not to be confused with patriotism versus globalism. That's that's those are political things. Pedestrian thinking is thinking only in the context of things that affect you and how you feel about them. Yeah. Global thinking is thinking about okay, well, what is the what is the overarching context of everything that is going on related to what I'm thinking about? Yeah. And with general marvels, and again, like we look at the United States as being the worst in that instance. Yeah. When it was far from the worst, if we're being honest on a historical basis. 100%. Like there was there was there was even slave trade in Canada. There was slave trade amongst uh, Native American groups. There were there were plantations owned by Native Americans in the United States at that time. Yeah. So it's not like these things are are localized. But we don't ever look at it that way. We look at like oh this person or this group is the most prominent. So therefore they are the worst. And that doesn't excuse the atrocities. Like, it doesn't excuse the things that were bad. I don't think any rational person would disagree with that. But looking, when you look at history, looking at it with a God's eye is always going to interpret it incorrectly. Yeah, I think that's what we're getting at with, like, the general Marvel scene. Right. Like, looking back, it, it was, you know, it was different and, like, not so much accepted, but it would like, it wasn't frowned upon. You right. know, like, and just to kind of make a, like, kind of wrap that point up a little bit, it's... Does it make it okay? No. I, I Obviously not. Like, I don't think anybody's arguing that. She's not even arguing that. The, right, which like, is why she just, she, she straight up left the platform. Yeah, but at the same time, she's not making that content anymore. That's not the person she is anymore. Like, right. and it's very easy for us to look back at it with a God's eye. And be like, how dare you? Yeah, and you it's the wrong. same thing like, like with all of the, sh- the stuff going on with Jimmy Kimmel and, and people getting upset at him. And a bunch of other uh, celebrities. Like, I don't think... I, I never, I never ever take the side of a celebrity. Because, honestly, like, a lot of them are very um, above themselves when it comes to things. Yeah. But in this instance, you have to look at the whole landscape. And stuff like that was, was very normal in the landscape at the time. So taking these performers and, and these well, people well, and I... saying... Okay, now we're going to hold you accountable for this thing that everybody was doing at this time. Well, and it wasn't. There was. There was no offense meant. I agree, uh, but that's not. That's not. That's not the context of how people look at it. True. It is. It is offensive now. So now we're going to be upset about it, and that's. And that's really the issue. Is like, do we? Do we just take away the option for people to change, and say that nobody is allowed? Nobody's allowed to change. You, who you are when you make a mistake is who you are forever. Or do we admit that people are capable of growth and evolution? Right. We should. Because, like, if we're if we're talking about that, ten years ago, my response to anybody uh, challenging me was to punch them in the face. I still have that urge, but I don't <laughs> do it anymore. But the action isn't there. Right. You've grown. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's and that's the thing is like obviously we're all going to have our own inlaid biases and 
things like that. But is it is it right to say that that person or or that thing is forever judged on their lowest point? No, it's not because like because if if they haven't grown, it will be obvious. Right. And, and, and I, I'm going to struggle to, like, I, I'm going to let you try to wrap this back to the book because I'm not going to. But <laughs> if they've grown, they shouldn't be doing whatever they did that was rude, offensive, awful, terrible, whatever whatever you want to call it, whatever happened X amount of years ago. If they've, if they've grown, they won't be doing those things. And they'll admit that they were wrong in that time. Like, you know, like, yeah, that was inappropriate. I shouldn't have done that. And I don't do that anymore. And that's okay. Right. If they're still doing it and going, no, that shit was funny, dude. I'm gonna like I actually just made a, you know, skit yesterday, very similar concept. Okay, that's a little different. Right. Because it like obviously you're you're not attempting to be funny or just like, especially comedians, dude. I hate I hate when comedians get uh, get shit for um, pretty almost anything that they do. Like it's comedian's job to push the boundaries of, of society and like what's okay and what's not like it, right. it is it is their job so if they do like obviously there's a level that they shouldn't go past but like for the most part they they should be allowed to explore right allowed you know to just well and you, you said you would have a hard time wrapping this back around to the book but what she's done as a figure of authority is she's eliminated that growth possibility for people there you go see she she, she she never she she didn't try to fix it as a matter of fact, she brushed off the responsibility for fixing it to somebody who she did not even know. Right. Which we see happen all the time in these instances. Absolutely. Like, you, let's say you get upset or offended by something that happens online. Do you personally reach out to that person and attempt to take care of it? Attempt to communicate with them? Or even, like, rally a bunch of people who think the way that you do? And, and attempt to have an amicable sit-down with the person who offended you or the content that did? I mean, I don't get offended like that. But if I did, I probably would go to that person. I wouldn't blast them out on my social media with no attempt to even talk to them about it. Right, which is the problem. We end up completely eliminating all middle ground and we, we don't try to uh, initiate growth. And there, there's, there's, a, there's a great quote and I can't remember it um, right off the top of my head. But there is, there's a quote that says, if you respond to something with anger because it scares or offends you, you are not, you are not justified in that action. You are immature. Yeah, absolutely. And that is very much the the truth. Like uh, I, I just shared, there was there was this uh, science summit that had Neil deGrasse Tyson and a bunch of other guys um, who are like really really fucking smart guy, friggin' smart guys. <laughs> Most of the kids fell asleep by this point. Was fine. <laughs> uh, just really smart guys, and uh, he's he this older British guy. He goes, he goes. We always tell people, and there's this general environment and air, that everyone is entitled to their opinion, and that opinion has to be respected. And he's like, you'll have to forgive me for saying, but no, it bleeding doesn't. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You, everyone is entitled to their opinion. Count, counterpart to that, no one is entitled to care about your opinion. Right, right, right. And that's that's where we, we get this conflation, is that you are allowed well, to have your opinion. Rather not entitled, but no one is required to care about your opinion. No one is required to respect your opinion either. Exactly. Because an opinion that is not founded in, in fact or discipline is not a valid opinion. It's a preference at that point. Right. It, it, it's 
it's I like tomatoes with my BLT and that you know like or I don't like tomatoes on my BLT and you have to but I still deserve to call it a BLT. Well, no, you've gotten rid of the T yeah. in BLT. Yeah. It's no longer I, I still a slave call, I still to call it, deserve to call it a BLT, and you should probably eat it that way, too. That's right. that's the equivalent of not having any factual like uh, uh, backing to your quote-unquote opinion. Right. You know, it's you, you are just spitting... And your that's, preference. And that's exactly what she has done. Yeah. She is a leader. She lost control. And and in the, going back to what I said earlier, most people, like, rather than engaging, like, if people don't like some of my content on YouTube, rather than engaging me about it, they will report the video. Yeah. Or or even worse, they'll engage me with anger and tell me that I am, I, I am wrong. When, instead of trying to have a conversation, try and you know, d determine where I got my information from. No, a lot of people just go straight to being angry. Yeah. And that, in honestly, if you respond with anger, it does invalidate your opinion. Yeah. Because then your opinion is no longer based on trying to find the truth or trying to find what is most correct. It's become about being right. Yeah. It's about winning an argument. Okay. And then that, that instantly invalidates an opinion. Yes. And I, no, I'm not kidding you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect timing. I hope that picked up. I really do. But that, that, and what most leaders end up doing, and we see it all the way across the board, is that rather than trying to fix things, people or leaders will push it off onto somebody else, push the responsibility off onto somebody else, yeah. and really do what she's done and try and push it under the rug so it never actually has to be dealt with. Right. Because do do disgusting do do disgusting sounds and people's proclivity for, towards making them disappear because she stopped allowing people to use sound? No, no, because outside of her her literal her, echo chamber. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow, that's funny. Outside of it, those sounds still exist, and the reason why I, I brought up in that chapter it was so important that we meet Doctor Discord and the Indomitable Dean yeah. beforehand is it's proof that her removing all of the sound from the Valley of Sound didn't eliminate it just the disgusting... It just pushed it, it out it of her sight. It, yeah. She put on blinders. <laughs> yeah. Made everyone else miserable. And nothing was solved. Right. Actually, actually, actually... It was less worse, than solved. <laughs> yeah, worse. It What you just added... You added to the problem. Added misery to the exasperation of an issue. Yeah. Wow. She had a she had a perfect moment as a as a leader to become a teacher, right? Which, which is, is what, what, what a leader is, is right. what a leader should be. All leaders should, in fact, be teachers. Yes, yeah. uh, and that's not to say that all teachers are leaders, but all teachers should be leaders. Yes, because that is the job of a teacher. Is correct. To anyways, <laughs> and the in, instead of instead of doing that, and that's what most people do. They'll respond with anger. They'll respond with emotion and they'll attempt to manipulate people rather than trying to teach them. Or learn from them. Yes. Because and the, 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 the people who are currently out protesting, and this circles back to what's going on in the world, do have a point. Yeah. And well, yeah, may, you, may you, have something to teach. You don't get to that point because you're bored. Right. To, to put it simply, and we won't really like dig too much deeper into that, but, but the, like just keeping it in the book, these people aren't complaining because 
There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Like, no, they have they, a they have a valid complaint. Yeah. And uh, their they, their solution may not necessarily be the best solution. Which, which we'll find out if it works or not. Whether like right, and which is it's very it's very exciting, dude. How relevant this book can be at any time <laughs> in your life or any time of year, or any time of history. Right. <laughs> this book is what is sixties. Sixties, so yeah, like nineteen sixty-four, I think. So, so nearing fifty years old. Yeah. Wild. No, nearing sixty years old. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nearing sixty years old, and it's still painfully relevant. And it, it's it's crazy, man. How how just observation of people in history can teach you and teach you and show you how to move well, forward in life. And something that's super interesting, and we'll, we'll wrap up here because we're actually getting a little bit long. Yeah, we are. Uh, this is a, definitely a long-winded one. <laughs> and something that you'll, you'll know, people will it's, say all the time. It's funny that the chapter about silence is the one we, we were talking most about. Of, yeah. <laughs> well, and even, even Milo Knight notes <laughs> that. He's like, for somebody who enjoys silence so much, she, she, sure, talk. she sure talks a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And the... A lot of people nowadays fancy themselves as skeptics. And I think that people... Um, use the word skeptic in in place of non-committalist yes because they, they should everybody should be a skeptic right you should question things because it's important to not just take everything because a, a skeptic is not someone who doesn't believe anything a skeptic is someone who questions information that is not fully validated yes so a lot of people they're like well i'm just a skeptic and they don't believe shit yeah like they don't take any stance on anything that is not a skeptic no. you are a non-committalist you are somebody with the, using the guise as a skeptic, right? You 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 you've given yourself the title skeptic. You haven't earned it. It's like calling yourself a professor, but you have no degree. Good way to put it. But the skepticism is is healthy, and it should always it should always be there. You should always question information. Well, well because but that's how you that's how you get new information and and. Mm -hmm. uh, push forward in life. That's Norton, Norton Juster wrote this book in the 60s, which was a time of, of major unrest all the way through the world yeah. at that yeah. point. Yeah. You had you had the, the Stonewall riots, the the civil rights movement, you had uh, you had the, the IRA riots in, in Ireland going from 1961 to 1969. You had unrest all over the world in the 60s. Yeah. Middle of the Cold War. In the middle of the Cold War, there was a lot going on. Yeah. And Norton Juster wrote this book as a reflection of what he was seeing in his own life, in the world, and in, in mysticism, in all of the things that he loved and was seeing, yeah. and things as he perceived them, and how he perceived a child would perceive them. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that this is so relevant, and we're not imposing relevance on this. No. This, the, this is stuff that is directly relating to things. And we may be a little bit because we're, we're fans we're, of Justin. Yeah, we're, we're embellishing this. Because obviously we're, we're fans of the book and that's going to happen whenever you enjoy something. You are going to have a bias towards it. Yeah. But cool. this, is still, this is still pertinent. It's accurate and it's relevant. Yeah. And for anybody who says like, well, you can't trust history because history is written by the winners. Any any lie contains a shred of truth. Yes. Any believable lie contains a shred of truth. Absolutely. So no matter what you are reading, if it is written, it will contain shreds of truth. Yeah. So to say that everything written is inaccurate and you can't believe it. Yeah. Wrong. That's idiocy. It is. You, you, if if that is your stance on information, 
you're not you're not intelligent. You're not you're not edgy. You're an idiot. Well, and and you can look at like, because like uh, when you go back, because obviously we have written pieces of history. We have things that were written about history. But then, like especially nowadays, we have such advanced technology to actually look at what happened. Like actually what happened. Um, just like on archaeological, I've watched a lot, a lot of like archaeological, <laughs> archaeological like documentaries, documentaries and stuff, yeah. uh, especially on like ancient Egypt, and the things that they're getting, the the information they're getting isn't written by anybody. It's not told to them. It's they take it's interpreted, but it's interpreted based off of fact and context and context. Yeah. And and it and you can look at that stuff and learn from it. So. Somebody who I really respect who passed away recently was a, a, um, a man named Hester Myler. And the, the man was uh, brilliant, but he was also a major skeptic and a major pessimist. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he was always said was that a man who believes nothing he reads is as much an idiot as a man who believes everything he reads. All right concur completely an intellectual an intelligent person is the one who questions and verifies before he believes yeah so i i I, there's there's this radio show i listen to i'm not gonna like go too much into it but there's kind of an idiot that um that he's a one of the hosts on the show and he said something and he said it because like he didn't say it and try trying to be deep or have like a real thought behind it, but I actually really like it um, because it, it kind of makes sense. And he was trying to say, I'll believe it when I see it. But what he said was, I'll see it when I believe it. And I think that holds. Oh my God. Dude, that's great. Re- isn't that really great? Oh, I think we just did another, another endless epic t-shirt. <laughs> I'll, I'll see, see it, it when, when I, I believe it. it. Yeah. And I think that is so like I, I really like that Dude, because it's kind that of is, that is so relevant to the book, though. Right? Because Milo doesn't see any of the things that are true until he believes them. Yeah, and and I think it's like it's something that people should live by, honestly, because you should you should not even not even live by it's understand that that's what you live you, by. Right? Yeah, because you should be able to believe something. Like well, if you yeah, okay, that's a different different topic. Sorry, I'm not going to go into that right now. But right. yes, but no, this so yeah. like yeah. because through the entire book, like Milo is dealing with people who refuse to see things because yeah. they don't believe them. Right, right. Holy shit! Isn't that great? I thought you'd like that. <laughs> so it's, good. It's super relevant. And on that, like, I think that's a great note to end up. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're, uh, we're we are going to wrap up. Yeah. I hope you guys have enjoyed us along this trek through this endless this, epic this that is the Phantom Tollbooth. Great and chapter. It's, and it's eerie relation to just modern I, everything. I, I, you don't even say modern, just time. It's relevant to time. It's so um, good. Uh, and on that note, if you guys are just listening along with us, uh, we are doing an audio, like just read through. Castle is here. Um, uh, We're working, we are working yeah. on getting the... Uh, the, the um, You'll be able to get his read-through of the book. It won't be like us talking. It won't be commentary. It'll yeah, just it'll, be, be, it'll just be me reading with a little bit of music behind me. Yeah. Um, so you'll be able to get that through Patreon. And then at the end of this series on your Instagram, we're going to be doing a questionnaire correct. about the podcast. So if you've been listening, you'll be able to... It's going to be about each episode. 
Right, and it'll be it'll be there'll be simple questions, simple yeah. questions about all, like all you would have to do is just listen to the podcast, and but it'll be relevant to the book and to the podcast. Um, you'll just have to answer the questions. The first one to answer them all and answer them all correctly will get the comments. a yeah in the comments. Um, we'll get an annotated signed copy of the book. Yep. Uh, not signed by Norton Jester, unfortunately. I wish yeah. we could get that. But, uh, yeah, really um, he lives in New York. We live in California and traveling. And he's, like 90, right now. and he's like 96. So. <laughs> but uh, We're trying to keep Norton alive. So Smitty and I Smitty and I will buy a... Um, yeah, you'll get an annotated copy that we sign, which is going to be worth so much money. Yeah, it'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll actually decrease in value from... Yeah, yeah one, one of these, like $30 or something. Or yeah, right around that. Yeah, so yeah, it'll be worth about 20 15 to 22 dollars yeah 15 to 22 dollars depending on who doesn't know who we are right yeah uh, and uh, that being said do you have any uh, any things that you're currently working on uh not currently but currently planning on working on so we'll talk about them later when they come up okay uh i have a I, i'm i'm starting some some new content on uh tiktok uh, i'm just i'm really trying to get it uh sorted i'm probably overthinking it but I'm working on getting some new content strings out on TikTok. Um, I'm currently working on some, uh, I either just finished or will be finishing soon, a series on the Valkyries from God of War. And uh, I'm also working on new content for YouTube always. So you can go and subscribe over there. And of course, if you want to support the podcast um, in a monetary fashion, you can do so by either buying merchandise over on Punktown Media the uh, You Knew Better But You Didn't Do Better shirt is now live and it is beautiful. Yes, it is. Um, you can also uh, just support by sharing, uh, subscribing to the podcast. Yeah, honestly. Um, I know we usually say doing it wherever fine podcasts are made, but you're going to help us out the most by subscribing on either Spotify or iTunes because those are the platforms where we can get paid per listen. Uh, and uh, also the platforms that will boost us out the most the more you listen and the more you like and share the podcast from those. Yeah. So if you guys really want to help out the podcast but you don't have money to throw at uh, Patreon just where you can get the podcast a week early. Just listening, sharing, or rating. You're listening, sharing, and rating each episode and the podcast uh, through Spotify or iTunes is going to be what's going to help us out the most. Um, or uh, Stitcher as well, but Stitcher is not quite as big. So uh, Spotify and iTunes are the ones that help out the most. Yeah. And we really want to thank everybody because we now have um, over over 100 uh, unique listeners to the podcast. Oh, that's huge. Which, for, for a podcast that's only been around for six months, you guys are incredible. We never even, like, I don't think we expected anything. No, not at all. To, and uh, I, I have to say that I really love the fact that there are so many people... Because uh, we, we, we have yeah, more listens than that, but of our consecutive unique viewers, yeah. we're now at 100. It's, it's cool to see people, like... Sharing Get into storytelling. Yeah, like who who would have thought that a po a podcast about books, like not I, just that, not just a specific fandom, but like, a podcast yeah. about books, yeah, just books in general, in yeah. the twenty first century. Yeah, I was like, because you so do like you have the Harry Potter, you have the Lord of the Rings, you have the, the Twilight, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. And, yeah. It's like you have the big ones, uh, which people love, and that's awesome. Like that's that's right. good too. We're not stand your fandom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's exciting just that people are excited about books. Yeah. So, so on, we, uh, we appreciate you guys very do. much, and uh, thank you for joining us, and we hope you will join us the next time that we turn the page into another endless epic. But until then, heroes and adventurers, stay bloodthirsty. It's going to be exciting. Chapter 13. Unfortunate conclusions. All hail, friends. All hail.